0: John and John's single-minded focus. Before we look at the first question, let me give you the setting uh, for the verses that we're going to be looking at this morning. John the Baptist appeared on the scene suddenly. And uh, he began to uh, to call people to repent, but not only to repent, but also to be baptized. And specific mention was made of what he was wearing, his attire, his clothing, and his diet uh, projected the image of Elijah the prophet. The rugged Old Testament prophet, Elijah. Uh, Many people were reminded of him and they saw John come on to the scene. In Mark chapter 6 verse 1 it says his wo- his clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his vase. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. The Pharisees sent representatives to learn about this person's identity. John denied being the Messiah Elijah, or even the prophet Moses had promised. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, we read Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. And so Moses even prophesied of John's coming and what he would be doing. Instead, John declared that he was a forerunner sent to prepare a way for the Messiah, about whom Isaiah had written in chapter 40 and verse 3. And he says, listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. And then in John uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 19 to 25 we read this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John who are you? He came right out and said I'm not the Messiah. Well then who are you? They are. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we were expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what do you have? What right? do you have to baptize? So that gives us a a setting or a backdrop for the passages that we're going to be looking at today in terms of John's single-minded focus. Now let's look at that first question. If you could be a spokesman for any product, what would it be? Any product? Love. Huh? Love. What's that? Love. Love? Yeah. As a product? Yeah, you can make it a product. You can make it a product, okay. You
1: can make it a
0: product. Oh, you'll make it a product. Okay, anybody else? If you could be a, a spokesman for any product, there's a product that you like so much and you feel as if you're the only person who could be a spokesman for that product because it's not being given justice, what would that product be? Well, the Bible is not a product, but um, it would be the Bible. Okay, for you it would be the Bible. Anybody else? Shampoo. Shampoo. Okay, that's a practical one. Shampoo. She don't like She don't like how they're advertising the shampoo. So she thinks that she's going to do a better job. Okay, anybody else? Any product that you feel that you uh, would want to be a spokesman for because, you know, they're not doing a good job at it. Medication.
2: Medicine. Oh, yeah, medication.
0: Medication? That's a big issue. All right, let's look at um, Bible Meets Life. Let's see what's anybody go ahead
2: there are a lot of fascinating facts about the moon for example the moon is about 245,000 miles away from the earth and is moving through the universe at 2300 miles per hour the moon is also covered with thousands and thousands of craters largest of which is 181 miles in diameter and about 8 miles deep Wow. <laughs> Another interesting fact is that the moon has no light. Yes, it's the brightest thing in the night sky, and you can still find your way through the dark by the light of the moon, but that light isn't actually coming from the moon at all. The light we see coming from the moon is all reflected from the sun. If the moon appears to be that bright, then the sun must, mm-hmm. sun must be absolutely dazzling. In fact, looking at the moon makes me wonder about the sun. The moon points me to the sun. In a similar way, followers of Jesus live in such a way as to reflect the true light of the world. It must be our single-minded focus to reflect Jesus and exalt Him, not ourselves, in all things.
0: Okay, anybody ever thought about the moon like that? We always talk about the moon light, right? A
2: little at one point I did, but
0: (laughs) the moon has no light. Yeah,
2: it's amazing when it's in that light.
0: Okay, Okay, so what's the point then of our study today?
2: Christ centered living. chooses to exalt Christ, not self.
0: Okay, let's keep that thought in mind. Christ-centered living (laughs) chooses, it's a choice, chooses to exalt Christ, not self. Now that's a major (laughs) challenge in a self-centered world. Because in this world, everything is about self. Everything is about me, myself, and I. I. (laughs) Look at all the advertisements and the focus is on self. Alright, let's look at the first... Uh, passage of scripture we have, uh, John chapter 1, verses 26 to 30, page 101. Someone read that, please.
3: I baptize with water, John answered them. Someone stands among you, but you don't know him. He is the one coming after me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. <clears throat> All this happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me.
0: Okay. Uh, So Paul, uh, um, um, John points to the greatness and the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, When we look at verse 26, we know that the delegation from Jerusalem had asked why John was baptizing. No, why are you doing this? You know, what's, what's what's the purpose behind this? And John used the question to focus on the one whose way he was preparing. John baptized with water. To baptize means what? To dip, right? To immerse. John did not mean his baptism was unimportant. Rather, its significance lay in its preparatory role for the Lord Jesus Christ's coming or appearing. John immersed repentant Jews to symbolize cleansing from sin. Jews baptized Gentiles who wanted to associate with Judaism as proselytes. Jews also practiced washing for cleansing. Immersing Jews based on repentance however was unheard of and deeply disturbing to the religious leaders in John's day. They were having a real problem with that. Jews were God's people and had no need of the kind of baptism Gentiles experienced. Let's look at the passages beneath the verses for some more insight on that. Look at those passages beneath the verses there that we read.
4: The man we
3: know as John the Baptist was literally a miracle baby. His birth was announced by an angel who said John would be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, that people everywhere would rejoice at his birth, and that he would be great in the sight of the Lord. Luke
0: one five through seventeen. Okay, let's look at those verses. It
2: was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when zacharias saw him he was troubled and fear fell upon him but the angel said to him do not be afraid zacharias for your prayer is heard and your wife elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name john and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink he will also be filled with the holy spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit of power and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord.
0: Okay, continues with the Beth.
3: Then John's story took a different turn. He moved out into the middle of the desert, living as a hermit who wore strange clothes and ate strange foods, Matthew 3, 1-4.
0: Okay, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming cleared the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his vase with 48 locusts and wild honey. Here okay, continues, Mr. Beth.
3: He also made it a point to insult pretty much everyone of importance, calling the Jewish Pharisees a brood of snakes in verse 7.
0: Verse 7 says what? For when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes. He could exclaim, "Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath?" Rough guy, eh? Continues the best
3: and publicly rebuking the Roman ruler of the region. Eventually, he got himself thrown in prison and was ultimately beheaded. In okay. chapter fourteen, verses
0: three through ten. Okay, let's look at those verses. Someone want to read that, please? It's Matthew fourteen, three to ten. For
2: Herod had laid hold of John and bound him, and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her, and although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. Uh-huh.
0: Go ahead, yeah. go right
2: But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter, and the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. Whoa.
0: Be careful what you ask for. Yes, <laughs> Just okay head. Continue reading.
3: From an earthly standpoint, we might look at John the Baptist and see a life of wasted potential. Someone who was destined for greatness but threw it all away. Or, we might see John as someone who realized that true significance, true greatness, is found only when we lose ourselves pointing to the greatness and salvation of Jesus all John's life work can be summed up in John 129 here is the Lamb of God
0: okay so we notice uh, uh, the third paragraph uh, there uh, from an earthly standpoint we might look at John the Baptist and see a life of wasted potential someone who was destined for greatness but threw it all away or we might see John as someone who realized the true significance of true greatness that it is found only when we lose ourselves in pointing to the greatness and salvation of Jesus and that's what we need to be don't we? We need to be like John. We need to be like John pointing to the greatness and salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not continue on the other side. It's not all about us. Huh? Continue go <laughs> ahead.
3: Okay. okay, in truth, all the neglected praise and the wandering in the desert were not John's refusal to live significantly, they were his refusal to live insignificantly. John would have utterly wasted his life if he spent his effort on anything except him. Jesus, who was eternally valuable, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. We would do well to take a lesson from John where we fill our schedules and spend our effort on things that will burn away. If the renown and honor of Jesus Christ is not the driving factor behind school, work, family, relationships, and everything in our lives, then it makes no difference how hard we try at them, they will be utterly insignificant. But if we get behind what God is behind, that which has eternal value, then we can be sure our lives will not be wasted.
0: Okay. So, question is, are we living wasted lives? Food for thought, isn't it? Question number two. How does our culture determine who is important or worthy of attention? Mm-hmm. Position and money. Right. Position and money, right. Who they are and what they have. Who they are and what they have.
1: Mm-hmm. Where you live and things so like
0: that too. Where you live, your locale. All of that, eh? Mm-hmm. Okay, in verses 31 to 34, we see John make another important revelation about the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at that verse.
2: I didn't know him, but he came baptizing with water so he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, The one you see the Spirit descending and resting. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God.
0: Okay. Let's look at the paragraphs there beneath that verse. Verse 31 sounds a little confusing, but given that John and Jesus were related and had known each other since they were born, How then could John say he didn't know Jesus? It's the same reason all of us can say we didn't know Jesus. There was a time when we might have known facts and stories about Jesus, yet we didn't believe in his true identity and confess him as Lord. At some point, though, we had a personal encounter with Jesus as our Savior. This was the moment when all the stories and all the facts became reality. This was the moment when we began to see Jesus as he really is. John certainly got a glimpse of who Jesus really is at his baptism. John saw that his own relative, one he thought he knew for so long, was more than just a relative. He's a Messiah. As Christ's witnesses, our testimonies will have different details. However, we all have a few critical things in common we can use as we point to Jesus. Here they are. Who we were. None of us came into the world believing in Jesus. Before, before Christ, we were dead in our sin without hope. We were objects of God's wrath, as we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Could someone read that, please?
1: to 12? 1 to 12 yes. Ephesians 2. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And ye were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, this is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Verse 11 and 12. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that ye were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world.
0: Okay, powerful passage of comfort and reassurance. Remembering, by remembering and testifying to our lives before Christ, we bear witness to everything God has done for us. And that word said, we are, we are God's masterpiece. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Isn't that significant? Have you thought about yourself as a masterpiece? But we are. And point number two, who Jesus is. Jesus is a main person in our testimony. We bear witness not about ourselves, but about him. As we talk about who Jesus is, we must also bear witness to the Gospel. We must help others see the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection. We must be faithful to explain the consequences of sin and how Jesus' death alone can satisfy God's justice and bring us into his family. And then thirdly, not only who we are and who Jesus is, but who we are, who we are. We can also bear witness to who we are now. If we truly live in Christ, then we will have a continually growing understanding of an obedience to Jesus. In fact, Peter tells us We should live such good lives in the world that even those who accuse us of wrongdoing will see our good deeds and give glory to God. Look at that verse in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, notice what it says. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. Isn't that significant? There's a quote by Robert Murray McShane. He says, For every look at self, take ten looks at Christ. Powerful, isn't it? For every look at Christ, take ten looks at yourself. Question number three. What are some key moments that have shaped your understanding of Jesus during your pilgrimage here as a child of God? What are some key moments that have shaped your understanding of Jesus? Anybody? A
1: key moment in my life. As a young girl, I used to think, i'd like to be a christian but i I couldn't live the life and the key moment came for me when it was explained to me from the pulpit that no we can't live our lives for christ but the spirit of god who lives within us after we trust him we can live it through him and that opened up a whole new world for me Mm. it was just a, a revelation that that
0: uh, really strengthened me as a Christian. Amen. Very good. Anybody else? What are some key moments? You may have just had one, or you may have more than one, what are some key moments that have shaped your understanding of Jesus? Anybody else want to share?
1: Well, there are many moments um, as we travel throughout this world We find that um, the truth of the life of Christ and who God is is consistent wherever we travel throughout the world. So as I have traveled throughout the world, um, I have experienced
0: many key moments of the truth of who God is and the truth of who Jesus Christ is consistently Mm -hmm. throughout the world. Amen. Okay. We know that John did a good job of testifying about Jesus, but that wasn't all. As we jump to John 3 verses 26 to 30, we'll see his character revealed as he makes an intentional choice to exalt Jesus rather than himself. So let's look at those verses, uh, verses 26 to 30. Anybody can read that.
4: (laughs) So they came to John and told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about and who was with you across the Jordan is baptizing, and everyone is going to him. John responded, No one can hold anything unless it has
1: been given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but have been sent ahead of him. He who was the, bri-
4: the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend, who stands by and listens to him, he rejoices his greatly at the groom's voice. For this joy of mine is complete. We must increase. He must increase, but I must decrease.
0: Okay, he must increase, but I must decrease. Okay, let's look at the, the paragraphs beneath that. Someone can read that, please.
4: It's important for us to remember that John also had followers, many followers. He was a popular preacher, a dynamic and fearless personality, and a man with a stellar reputation. John knew his life's purpose was to point people to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Once Jesus began his ministry, once the one to whom John had been pointing was fully engaged in his earthly ministry, John's role seemed to diminish and John was okay with that. John's followers, on the other hand, were not okay with that. They became concerned when Jesus' popularity began, began to outgrow, began to grow because his popularity was cost, costing John some of his own. John's response, good. John had built his own reputation platform and resumed for one reason alone. He knew the only way to build something eternally valuable was to point others to Jesus. This is easier said than done for us. We live in a world of personal advancement. We admire those who are self-made men and women. We judge our own self-worth by the number of likes we get or how many followers reach, retreat, retweet our clever quibs. We have so many tools at our disposal, all of which are very useful in drawing attention to ourselves. Following Jesus means embracing a posture of self-denial. It means choosing not to gratify our own desires and living instead of surrendering, living instead in surrendered obedience to Jesus. It also means we choose to lift him up instead of ourselves.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, A couple of uh, main points uh, we see there uh, that we want to highlight basically four of them. Uh, The first one is it is important for us to remember that John also had followers. Many followers. Once Once Jesus began his ministry, once The one to whom John had been pointing was fully engaged in his ministry, John's role seemed to diminish. That's clear because his his followers had issues with that. The second point is John's followers on the other hand were not okay with that. They became concerned when Jesus' popularity began to grow because his popularity was costing John some of his own. John's response was, well done, great, good. That's what he wanted. Christ must increase and I must decrease. So John didn't have an issue as his followers did. And then the third point is, this is easier said than done for us. We live in a world of personal advancement, don't we? Yes, everybody wants to move ahead. No one wants to stay stagnant. And then the fourth point, following Christ means embracing a posture of self-denial. Is that easy? No. No, because when everybody else around you is seeking self and self-aggrandizement and popularity and everything, you must be different, you must go against the grain. That's not popular with culture. But following Christ means embracing a posture of self-denial. Christ must increase. I must decrease. Question number four. What are some symptoms of a life that is self focused? What do we see around us in terms of symptoms of a life that is self focused? I see that in prison in Marisira. I saw that in prison. When you walk in a house is just a book, table,
2: and chairs. When mm-hmm. you on about to talk, talking with me All our
0: house is just. I saw that, uh, she created me a place I've never
1: forgotten. Okay. I see Jesus in heaven. You're answering question five. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: right. Yes.
4: But I think um, living a life of self-focus is like you're talking about me, 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 me all the time. You just, you only care about yourself.
0: Okay. It's all about you. Yeah.
4: You don't, you don't even care about anybody, much less Jesus. You just want to know about you and how good you are and how you know mm-hmm.
0: successful you are and things like that. Okay. Do we see a lot of those symptoms today?
1: Yeah.
0: They're everywhere, right? Yes. Do we see them increasing?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Even more so yeah. as we get closer to the return of the Lord, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, what does Romans say about that, that, that these last days? Um, um, Dianthea mentioned people will be lovers of themselves, themselves. themselves. alright and we see that happening uh, so prevalent in our world today uh, so don't be surprised when you see people doing things that are so selfish that will just blow your mind that whoa I mean how could he or she do that don't be surprised the Bible says that is going to happen and then sometimes
4: people will run you off the road and things like that just to get ahead and to
0: what they have to do, you know. I mean it was like so selfish. You could see it more and more. Mm, you got out some real grace on <laughs> these roads.
4: <laughs>
0: I was I was I was I was going somewhere. Uh, uh, and it was late at night and um, I was on the road just behind the stadium and all of a sudden this car just came Mike and came straight toward the lane that I was in they went the wrong lane wow. and it was a good thing I was I was, I was conscious enough to see uh, they turned short of where they were supposed to go they were supposed to go over I said wow what if I wasn't paying attention mm-hmm. crazy
3: yeah.
0: now question number five that just Brenda already answered <laughs> what are practical ways we can honor Jesus in our everyday lives practical ways we can honor Jesus in our day to day going and coming.
4: I think sometimes when you achieve something maybe you can give God the glory mm-hmm. and say, Well I can't I couldn't have done that, you know, without the Lord, you know.
0: Praise but the sometimes
4: Lord we give ourselves the praise and say, Well, oh I'm so smart, I won this thing or I did this thing. I got this contract, I'm so smart, but it isn't really it isn't really us, so we have to
0: give God the glory. Especially if you've been praying for something you know sometimes we pray we pray pray about something and when it happens we are so excited that it happened that we forgot to thank God that he's the one who made it happen alright so that's a practical way of honoring Jesus in our day to day -day life. anyone else? any other ways you could think of? I guess that's the major one eh? giving God the glory that he deserves Okay. We're right on schedule. (laughs) Um, Let's look at how we can flesh this out now. How will you choose to exalt Christ this week instead of yourself? Consider following the following suggestions. This is how we live this out now. Number one, memorize John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease and let it drive your words and actions. That's a very good and practical point. Okay, if we can go through our days like that, we'll be right on target. Take a personal inventory of your life in recent months. Determine who or what your life points to. Consider the steps you need to take in order to place the focus of your life rightfully on Jesus. Good exercise. And then thirdly, write out your testimony using the three bullet points on page 104, expressing your story in a way that keeps all the focus on Jesus. Pray for an opportunity to share your testimony with someone new this week. Okay, so we had three points there, three marching orders, (laughs) right? Memorize John 3.30, take a personal inventory of your life in recent months, and write out your testimony using the bullet points that we looked at and share it. Okay, your life is going to point to someone, something. Your clothes, your relationships, and your speech are all signposts pointing somewhere question is whether you take an active stance in making sure all those things point to jesus one of the things that i learned to a mother Andrew and during our lesson i never forget <laughs> Oh to be saved from myself dear lord mm-hmm. Oh to be lost in me all mm-hmm. oh, that it be no more me for christ that living in me
2: Christ,
0: only Christ. No, I agree there for me. Christ, only Christ. We move, we hurt, we say. Granted, Lord. I never forget that. Hmm. She meant much to me. And yeah, and that, that, that reminds us of who the greatest enemy we have is. Yes, yes. Who's the greatest enemy we have? Self. Self, exactly. Self is the greatest enemy we have in this world. And we all must always remember that. Because if you don't, Christ will never increase. You will be the one always, always increasing. Amen?